بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الله صلي على سيدنا ونبينا الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد الحمد لله الله سبحانه وتعالى has given us the tawfiq to be in Ramadan and to worship him and to listen to the recitation of the Quran and to make dua, give sadqah, give zakat. May Allah accept all our efforts and all our duas, inshaAllah ta'ala, and grant us all Laylatul Qadr. The bottom line, after listening to all the lectures on Laylatul Qadr, what's the bottom line? The bottom line, do some salat, do some nawafil. All the fancy lectures and all the brilliant points that the ulama bring, they must add up to one thing, and that is that in these nights, we must do some ibadah. Talk is cheap, but doing the work, that requires commitment. So Laylatul Qadr is about an advanced commitment to worship Allah. More than usual. So the bottom line is, after this lecture, whatever it is, make sure you go home and you stay here, do some nawafil, read some Quran, Make dua, send some salawat ala Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Do the good deeds. That is the bottom line. If you fail to do that, then it really doesn't matter whether you listen to the lecture or not. It is pointless. There's zero added value to your Ramadan if we don't do what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did in this month and especially in these last 10 days, and that is to worship Allah more, not less, more. So our state of mind should be ibadah, dua, dhikr, tilawah, and everything else that comes along with it. Now, having said that, we have in the surah, that the Imams have recited in Witr, Surah Al-Qadr, that all of you, mashallah, have heard. I'm sure all of you know it too. So in that Surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions what we call the ultimate purpose and the ultimate ghaya, objective of Laylatul Qadr. What is that? So we'll try and explain that, inshallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he reveals the Qur'an. The Qur'an is Allah's speech, his eternal speech. It comes down to Jibreel and he brings it down. But the Qur'an comes down from eternity where there's no space, no time, and it comes into space and time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي 
The first time in which the Quran is revealed is the month of Ramadan. So Ramadan is a container and it entertains the whole Quran. So Ramadan contains the whole Quran according to this ayah. So it's like a house. Ramadan is a house. Who is the guest? The Quran. So what you do is that you entertain the guests. Who? People who believe in the Quran, they must entertain the guests. How do you entertain the Quran? By reciting it. By learning it, by memorizing it, by studying it, by applying it. That is how you entertain the guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's speech. That's one container. Then as, mashallah, Muslims develop the habit and the spiritual power to go forward with the Qur'an because you need a lot of stamina, a lot of energy okay, to handle the Qur'an. As, mashallah, we've heard many times before, the Prophet was not able to sustain the you know, the weight of the Qur'an. It was so heavy, his camel would have to sit down. That's just the sheer physical weight, and we go on and on. So that's one side. That the Qur'an has a prerequisite in the reciter to contain within him some stamina, some energy, some resistance. So you need a lot of strength, mental and spiritual strength, to now take the Qur'an recite it, understand it, and apply it. So as the whole ummah, so in this month, the whole ummah is in ibadah. So the whole ummah is reciting, listening, making dua, making dhikr, doing everything else. So the whole month, the whole ummah of the Prophet is engaged in entertaining and receiving the Qur'an. So this creates enormous energy, so much power. What is the power? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's dhikr has power in it. Sometimes people see it in this world. Us, we'll see it in Jannah. One subhanallah creates a tree in Jannah. That is the power of one subhanallah. Can you imagine that? Which scientist has told you that you can create things and then see them after you die? No. Only the prophets know this. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can inform the prophets that this is a reality, that there is enormous spiritual power in the dhikr of Allah. In the recitation of the Quran, there is pure power, pure energy, pure creativity. Now one subhanAllah, just one subhanAllah creates a tree in Jannah, inshallah, when we go there, we'll recognize that this tree was created from that subhanAllah, which I mentioned in MSI. We will recognize the tree, that it is the fruit of this dhikr and this dhikr. Likewise, you will see the fruits of each eye of the Qur'an, each letter of the Qur'an will bear fruits for you. And you'll recognize which letter you recited that this is the fruit of that letter. This is the power, the energy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to invest 
in dhikr and recitation of the Quran and ibadat and dua and dhikr, etc., so that we create our own Jannah. We create our own. When we, inshallah, go to Jannah, Allah allows in Jannah without any hisab. When we go into Jannah, inshallah, whose Jannah will you be in? You'll be in your own Jannah. You'll be the king and the master of your own Jannah. No, not anybody else is yours. Like you have a three-car garage house and luxurious items in the house and beautiful cars and a great living. And say, this is mine. So the Prophet said, it's not yours. Whatever you eat and consume, that's yours. Whatever you wear and the clothing withers away, becomes old and ragged, that's yours. Everything else stays in this dunya. Nothing is yours. What's yours is your amal. What's yours is the fruits of your amal in Jannah. What's yours is your specific kingdom. Where the Prophet said that the person who will receive the least reward will own a Jannah that is ten times the size of this world. Ten times. Can you imagine? People like touring, right? People like going visiting, sightseeing, which is okay, that's fine, perfectly fine. Don't get me wrong. Go ahead, bismillah. How many years do you need to see the whole of the USA? How many? 20, 30, 40 maybe? Just touring the whole of USA will take you a lifetime. Then touring the whole world, this world, will take you more than a lifetime, 10 lifetimes. Huh? Nuh alayhi salam lived for 950 years and he toured the whole world in 950 years. 950 years he toured the whole world because there was no other Nabi on the planet except him. So he went to every, every place where there were human beings and he gave them da'wah. So if it takes you a thousand years to tour this world, and you're going to be owning a kingdom that is ten times the size of this world, how long will you be there in Jannah? And the beauty is you'll never get bored. Here you get bored, you go sightseeing one day, then you don't want to go again. In Jannah, you'll be going again and again and again to the same place. Why? Because it's created, it's recreated. And it's recreated. Everything is new. Every time you go there, it's new. La anha the Quran says. They will not want to move from Jannah. Here we want to move houses. We have a spectacular house. Five years later, this is boring. I want another house. Ten years later, I want another house. Then you have grandchildren. So I need another house. A bigger house than the one I had. Because you're bored. It becomes monotonous. You need change. So what I'm saying is that there is immense power. We're talking about Laylatul Qadr. The night of power. Where's the power? The power is in dhikr. The power is in reciting the Quran. The power is in ibadah. The power is in dua. That's where the qadr is. That's where the power lies in this night. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given it to us, basically for free, through Allah's fadl and through the uh, wasila, the sadaqah of the Prophet and the sahaba, that it comes to us this way, through their hard work. And their dedication to ibadah is what brings us Laylatul Qadr. 
So anyway, you have this huge container called the month of Ramadan. It houses the Quran. And then when all the collective ibadah raises to a level that is so strong and superior, this Quran now comes into one night. From the whole month, you're developing your stamina, your resistance. Then this will allow you to now to see the whole Quran in one night. Indeed, we reveal it in Laylatul Qadr. Which one? The Quran. The same Quran that's revealed in Ramadan is now contained in one night. And why this one night? Laylatul Qadr. Khairun min al That Ramadan is a month, a beautiful month. It has immense capabilities, but Laylatul Qadr is that one night in which you can witness the whole Quran. Come in. So what do you do? On Laylatul Qadr, what do you do? You recite the Quran. Which is what our aslaf, our predecessors, would do. They would recite the Quran. They won't be doing other things in the name of Ramadan. They'll be reciting the Quran. Pure, simple ibadah. That's it. Anyway, so we won't talk about this. What I want to talk about is that the effect of Laylatul Qadr, what is the, the purpose, the ghaya of Laylatul Qadr? So Allah mentions this. That if you receive Laylatul Qadr and you do ibadat and you do all of this, then your heart will become soft. You'll be making dua. A sign that Laylatul Qadr is around is that you start crying. When you make dua, you start crying. When you recite the Quran, you start crying. This is a sign, a visible sign that comes upon the person who's sincere. And the Prophet said, if you don't cry, at least fake crying. At least fake that you're crying to show Allah, I make it an effort. You know, my heart, heart is hard. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to us about the hearts of human beings. Some human beings. Talking about that, they're like a shaddu. They're more severe and hard than rocks. And Allah describes the rocks. That even when you look at the rock, the, the rocks that you see, then you will see that water gushes out sometimes from rocks. But this heart, which has become so callous and hard and totally insensitive to sin, that it doesn't cry. It doesn't feel the pain and the anguish of committing sin. That's how hard it becomes. And then the other descriptions of the rocks that are there in Surah Baqarah. So now the Prophet said, okay, one way to soften your heart is that you cry. And if you can't cry, then pretend you're crying to show Allah you are trying your best to be humble in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you do that, when the angels come down, the Nazzalul Malaika, all the angels come down on this night. And when the angels are around you, they inspire you to do good things. Because that's what angels do. They carry the message of Allah. What message is there of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's to do good deeds. This deed, this deed, this deed. And then the ruh, which uh, most ulama says, Jibreel alayhi salam, he comes down also 
to supervise all the angels and see what's happening and see how the ibadat is now going to the heavens and has been accepted and saying ameen to all the duas and so there's a whole range of activities that Jibreel Islam and all the angels do. So now all Muslims, what happens to them? They become soft and kind to each other. What is the sign of that? That on this night you will make dua first for your Muslim brothers and then you. This night is a collective night for the Ummah. The Prophet said about Rajab. What is Rajab? Whose month is Rajab? Allah's month. And whose month is Shaban? The Prophet's month is Shaban. And whose month is Ramadan? The Ummah of Muhammad The month of Ramadan belongs to the Ummah of Muhammad collectively, not individually. So in this month we must think collective that we make dua for the Ummah. That's how your hearts become soft. That you're, you're now concerned not just for you but for other people also. Muslims must you know, fight the selfish impulse of being isolationist and individualist, which is what, unfortunately a disease nowadays. We don't think collective. We don't think as an ummah. We collect as individuals. It's about me, 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 me. So if you can't include the ummah in your dua, then that's the height of selfishness. In your dua, you include your parents. In your du'a you include your brothers and sisters. In the du'a you include all your relatives, all your teachers, all your children, all your grandchildren. In your du'a you include your neighbors. In your du'a you include the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu In your du'a you include everybody who came before you, before the Prophet Sallallahu and everybody who will come after you. That is the etikaf of the Prophet Sallallahu That in the etikaf of the Prophet Sallallahu who is he thinking about? He's not thinking about him. He is forgiven. Who's he thinking of? The Ummah. Yeah. This is the collective approach to Islam is that you think of each other. You must be together in your hearts. For that to happen, when your hearts are softened, then you forgive each other. And then you make dua for that creates an environment, an atmosphere, an ambiance of peace. What is the last word in there? Salam. In Surah Al-Qadr, what does Allah say? تَنَزَّلُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ الرُّوحِ فِيهَا بِذِي رَبِّهِمْ مِنْ كُلِّ أَمْرٍ Salam. So the ghaya, the objective of receiving Laylatul Qadr is that there must be a collective peace in the Ummah, not just your house and you and your family. So unless we get away from being that selfish that we don't even know exists, that other people, other Muslims exist. We become so insensitive. Unfortunately, there's so much turmoil and trouble in the Ummah, mostly not because of our doing, but because of other people oppressing us. But we become so insensitive. Oh, there's an announcement that people in China, Muslims in China are suffering. We hear it, okay, you move on. 
At least stop and make a dua. That Allah help them, Allah preserve them, Allah give them victory. Don't be that in the sense that, that you only worry about you. That is not how Islam works. It doesn't, that's not the way later the Qadr works. In Jannah, there will be nothing except salam. As you all know. Salamun qawlam min Rabbi rahim La isma'una fiha lahuan wa la ta'theeman. Illa qilan salaman salam. So the atmosphere, the ambience, the environment of Jannah is all salam. I mean, if there's no peace, tranquility, love, mutual respect for each other, there's no Jannah. That Jannah has to be acquired here in this dunya, in Laylatul Qadr, in Ramadan, as a collective ummah. There's infiradi and there's ishtimai. As they say, when you go out in khuruj. Infiradi, there's ishtimai. The Prophet is now universal, he's collective, he's not individual, when he's in Atikab, he's not thinking about him, himself. He's thinking about the Ummah, his Ummah. And that's the dua he would make for the Ummah in Ramadan, that's why he's generous, more generous in Ramadan than any other month. This is his generosity, that he is concerned for every Ummah, every individual Ummah he is concerned about, not just one or two. Everybody, as we all know. So the effect of Laylatul Qadr are two things. One is that the Muslims as a collective unit develop the ability to think further than their noses. And to think 10 years ahead, 50 years ahead, uh, 100 years ahead. If we plan something next week and we get it right in Hamdullah, we get an award. This guy's a visionary. That's not good enough. Why? Laylatul Qadr khayrum min alfi shahr. You need to develop the ability to think for a thousand months ahead of you. That's what Laylatul Qadr should give you. And the previous ummah, you know, the pious people who came before us, how do you think they maintain the ummah? How do you think they maintain the khilafah? How do you think they rule for 1100 years? It is only because they were involved with collective ibadah. Their leaders were pious people. Abu Hanifa would pray the whole night, as you all know. Imam Shafi would pray so much. Imam Ahmad would so pray, pray so much. So much salat and dua and dhikr. All the time. That's how you become imams. And likewise the Khulafa also. If you hear about the ibadah of Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman, and Ali radiallahu you'll be shocked and amazed that these people are so busy in the day, but somehow they had strength to stand at night. Busy in the day and they stand at night. That was their trademark. So ibadah, especially in Ramadan, and especially in Laylatul Qadr, gives you insights and foresights and gives you intellectual power, thinking power, right? forecasting power. That the Ummah used to forecast, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. It's not in a dream. Right? We all have dreams. <laughs> and they're just dreams. Right? We all go into that. But the previous Ummah, they would be able to see things without dreams. Why was that? Because they developed the Noor from Ibadah. Their Ibadah gave them Noor. Why did they have Noor from the Ibadah? Because they weren't selfish. 
They were not criminal in their intentions. They were not divisive. They did not hate people. They didn't backbite people. They didn't belittle people. And they did trust in each other. This is the salam, okay, the peace that ibadat brings to you. And then you do business with each other, and you help each other, and you support each other. The collective mission of the Ummah of Muhammad is here in the ibadat. If you don't have a community that doesn't enjoy ibadat, you don't have a community, period. Because then you'll have people who are insincere. And because they don't have the nur, the, the nur is not something you see. It's something that is developed naturally. And you start seeing things naturally. And you can forecast and you can predict. Not because you have a dream, but because you know how things happen, how the world happens. If you're in the company of angels, you know who angels are? When you sit in dhikr, what happens? The Prophet said there's a specific group of angels. What they do, they tour the world. And anywhere there is dhikr, they, are, they gravitate towards the places of dhikr. And they go and join the people who are in dhikr. And they sit there and they in, engage in the dhikr they're engaging with. When you're in the company of angels, what vibes will you get? Good vibes. Vibes of noor. Vibes of intellect. Angels aren't stupid. They're very intelligent. Much more intelligent than we are. And they're strong, they're powerful. So unfortunately, because, uh, you know, some elements of, of colonization is one. The other is that being exposed to too much Christian dogma you know, has prevented us from appreciating angels. Whereas all the prophets and all the Sahaba, all the Allah, they know when angels are around them, they don't see them. You don't want to see an angel because you'll die. But you'll know they're around you. And when they're around you, what are the vibes? What thoughts come to you? Only thoughts of good deeds. So they inspire you. They make you more intelligent. They give you much more foresight and understanding how the world works. So this is how we see that in, in, the, in this night, when you're with the angels, angels are around you. Then you develop intelligence. But it's not intelligence based on science. It's not intelligence based on, you know, the worldly matters, the mundane subjects. It won't make you a PhD. It'll make you understand that the need for you to invest in your akhirah is far greater and much more important than the need for you to be submerged in the dunya. That is intelligence. When you know one day you're going to die, and when you know that when you die, you will have nothing in your hands. You'll go empty-handed to your grave. So what are you taking with you? So you take with you your amal. So when you know that it's your amal that's going to accompany, accompany you in the other world, that is intelligence. What is stupid? That you don't take your amal with you, and you live in ghafla, and you don't care. That's stupidity. Now, is that inverted? So we must appreciate that the role of dhikr and dua and ibadat is that the angels come. When the angels then come, who comes? 
Satan. Right? If there's a space and it's vacated, they're gonna, people are going to squat. Right? They'll occupy the house and they won't pay your rent. That's called the devil. Shaitan comes in and he takes over your house and he doesn't want to leave. You can't evict him either. So I say, so when the angels are present with us in Salat, one of the uh, simple rules of fiqh is that if you eat garlic onion, mashallah, which I've mentioned before, then you should brush your teeth, make sure you have some perfume on you, and you don't bring that, mashallah, samosa smell into the masjid. Why, why is that? It's a very deep fiqh issue. It's very deep. You see, the reason is not just that you're going to make other people very uncomfortable next to you, but the issue is that the angels won't be there with you. You'll drive away the angels. The angels don't like that smell. And they scamper. They don't stay with you. So when the angels don't, aren't there, who are there? The shayateen, the devils are there. Now you see how, how this is attached? So the Prophet the angels come with you and they pray with you in your salah. They're there with you. And they say, Ameen also. Hmm? But if there's a bad smell, then they won't be there. So we have to realize that we, we, we have to coexist. Right? We have to coexist with the angels. We can't do anything to repel the angels. That's the Muslim civilizational value. And all our adab are based on this. All the adab, all the mustahabbat and the adab in fiqh that you read, they're based on civilizational values. And they are very deep, very penetrating. Except we don't understand, we just ignore them. Oh no, no, this is the way, the Western way. It's, it's okay, it doesn't matter, it's no big deal. You heard of IT and how computer chips work and I confess, I don't know anything about it. All I know is that it is very, very sensitive. Is it not? This little sort of microchip, if God forbid, even an electron is out of place, the whole system won't work. You're talking about a micro, micro level. What this world, world today works at a micro level, it is so sensitive that any glitch will shut down the whole system. And yet, when it comes to Islam, it's no big deal. Why are you so sensitive? You make wudu this way, this way, it doesn't matter whether you wipe on your socks, it doesn't matter. It's totally insensitive to how Islam works. Islam is a million times more sensitive than your computers and your IT. A million times more. Except you don't know it. Why? Because the angels do that. They take our actions up to the heavens. If they see that this action is lacking and something is wrong, then the whole system falls. As the Prophet said that, if, God forbid, if you're not doing salat properly, it goes to the heaven like a very, very ugly old woman. And once, once it reaches the heavens, it's thrown back onto the person who did the salat. Now you see how sensitive Islam is? Uh, here you go, no big deal. I make myself my son, no big deal. I don't make wudu, no big deal. Why do I need to follow fiqh? No big deal. Why do I need to follow Islam? Allah is forgiving, no big deal. But when it comes to a computer chip, it's, oh no, no, it's, it's amazing. The human beings are able to now do this. 
magnificent creation through technology, you're, you're amazed. And Allah says, no big deal. So I'm saying is that the, the, when the angels are around you, then your ibadat obviously is accompanied by the angels, and they, they take your ibadat to the heavens, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts them. May Allah accept all our ibadat, whether they're good or bad. It doesn't matter. We rely there on Allah's fadl. So when, when the angels are there with you, they, they, they create an atmosphere of understanding, mutual understanding, love, compassion, mutual respect. That is called salam. So the dua, what are the duas we should be making is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides for the Muslim ummah salam for the rest of the year and then forever. That we don't want any facade, we don't want any trouble, we don't want any nonsense, we don't want any grief, okay? we don't want any fights, we don't want violence in our streets here or anywhere in the world. We don't want people being killed for no reason. That is salam. That is salam. And we as a collective ummah must make dua for that in this night and every night. That the way forward for Muslims is all salam. That we don't want any harm. Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimun min lisanihi wa yadihi. A Muslim is the, the one from whose hands and tongues other Muslims are safe. They're protected because of their Islam. And you protect each other because of Islam. This is how the Prophet ﷺ developed the community in Medina. It is all about salam, peace. So Laylatul Qadr, the objective and the purpose of engaging in dua and dhikr and ibadat in Laylatul Qadr is to procure salam from Allah min kulli amr in every matter. Whether it's a minute micro matter, whether it's a macro matter, whether it's a huge matter, a global matter, we should be seeking, procuring salah, which is now the way forward for all human beings. So you mustn't assume that you doing ibadah in the masjid doesn't have an impact on the world. Okay, that is the individualistic thinking. That's the selfish thinking. That is not true. Your ibadah has a huge impact, not just on your immediate environment. It has an impact all the way up to the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, beyond the seven heavens, if you understand. And this is how the prophets came to teach everybody that your individual ibadah is no longer individual. It is collective. It's a collective force. One time, Abu Bakr okay, for some reason, he was scratching himself or something. In Salah, the Prophet he loved Abu Bakr, right? But he reprimanded him. We said, no big deal. The Prophet says, it's a big deal. <laughs> you can't do this in Salat. It impacts the whole world. You understand? I mean, that is how case sensitive we should become in our own individual Salat. We should be sensitive about how we do our, whether it's in the closet of your house. It doesn't matter. It has an impact globally. If you want to save the world, then do your ibadah correctly. We have this great sheikh, Naqshbandi sheikh, Sheikh Ahmed Sarhindi, a great, wonderful sheikh. So Sheikh Sarhindi, was traveling from one place to another place. Away, he came obviously from Sarhind, which is Punjab, there up north, 
and he came down into the valley towards Delhi and all the way <coughs> down a bit south. He passed by a place. As he passed by the place, he stopped and he told people, I smell the fragrance of hadith here in this place. Right? I smell the fragrance of hadith here in this area. And he left. So that road was built by uh, this uh, Mughal who from the Delhi Sultanate, Sher Suri. He built a road though. It's called the Grand Trunk Road, which still exists. Inside of Grand Trunk, where that place is today, is Darulun Deoband. He was smelling that 200 years before Darulun Deoband existed. That road is still there. You understand? I mean, the, 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 these people, they're not, you know, little people. So he says two things. He says many things. He has Maktubat, three volumes of his writings, other works. Amazing works, Marshall. He says that if you move for no reason in Salat, it affects your whole immediate environment. That's the first thing. Second thing is for us. He said, if you do your Ramadan correctly, the rest of the year will also be correct. If you do your Ramadan incorrectly, the rest of the year will be incorrect. This is how important they took Ramadan to be. And then Laylatul Qadr, subhanAllah, even more. So the, these are people who understand how the angels work, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works, how the Prophet works, and how he thinks, and how we should be as a collective ummah. And he sacrificed his whole life for the ummah. Um, and he fought against uh, you know, the Mughal king. Anyway, so what I'm saying is that the, the ultimate goal for Laylatul Qadr and the ibadat and the dua is that collectively we develop procure a, a spiritual value okay, that goes in front of Allah and the angels take it to Allah and Allah then says, okay, I will now decide matters of salam for you. Salam. So there is so much emphasis in Ramadan about that that you don't see in any other place or time. So the Ummah, if they really want to procure peace, prosperity, security in the world globally, they should be in ibadat in Ramadan. They should be in etikaf, making dua for the Ummah in Ramadan. That is their participation in the global security. And don't think this is short-sighted. This is the way the Prophet did it. This is the way the Khulafa did it. This is the way the Sahaba and all the Tabi'in and Tabi'in, they all did this. That Ramadan is a battery, is a powerhouse. You plug yourself into it. And then you receive nur and uh, strength and energy in Ramadan. And then you use it throughout the rest of the year. That's how Ramadan works. That's how Laylatul Qadr works. But Laylatul Qadr is about making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides all matters for us with salam, with peace, with security, with tranquility, with prosperity, so that we live the next year in a good way, not in a bad way. So the collective understanding of the ummah comes first, that we need to think collectively for each other, not just in the, yes, we have our own individual problems. Everybody has problems in their homes, have issues. If they don't have problems, they have issues. We make dua for that too. We're not saying don't make dua for What I'm saying is that it has to be linked to every other part of the ummah, that we're all together. So our problems are their problems, their problems are our problems. So that's why you help each other. That's called ta'awanu ala al-birri wa taqwa That's called ta'awanu, that's called mutual cooperation. So somebody needs help, you help. You don't say, oh, no, I can't help you, I don't like you. La yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba liyakhihi ma yuhibbil nafsi. All these are hadith that tell you that it is the collective spirit in the Muslim ummah that's going to keep the ummah alive. Once you become individualistic, as you do in this culture, there's all your, it's me, me, me. Then you will disintegrate, which is what has happened, unfortunately. Everybody's disintegrated. We're no, we're no longer collective. We don't think collective. We are so insensitive to a community appeal. We don't do anything. No. There's no reason, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, I'll say it all the time until this is done. There's no reason why anyone should stand up after Juma and ask for funds for the masjid. That is totally insensitive. That you come here for Jum'ah and you can't pay the bills. It's disgraceful. Where's the collective thinking? I come for Jum'ah. I don't care. The Muslim can find somebody else to pay the bills. I'm not paying the bills. You see how disjointed we are? This can't continue because this is a death sentence. That every Friday, everybody in every Muslim stand up and say, we need operation money. It's an indictment on the Ummah. How, how stingy can you be that you want a mansion for yourself and the house of Allah is now decrepit, is dilapidated, everything's falling apart? That should not happen. Now they're, they're appealing that gives, everybody should give $50 a month. $50, is that what you ask? Is it $50? Huh? Now a dollar a day to maintain you. That is disgusting. And you want Allah to help you, then you go to daily center, daily plaza, and you say, Nani takbir, Nani takbir. <laughs> Where's Allah's help going to come and you can't even maintain your masjid? That's not salam. That's not collective thinking. That's being very, very selfish. Now you don't care. Now, obviously, my words are more than strong, but they need to be said. It doesn't matter. That there should be no time after today that they appeal for maintenance. You should do it automatically. You do it because you love Allah. You do it because you love Allah's masjid, Allah's house. That's why you do it. You don't do it because they're imposing this on you. Jazakumullah. Thank you very much. Alhamdulillah. Somebody's understanding. So that's salam. So salam means that you build yourselves and you are integral and you like each other, you love each other, you build bonds, you build businesses together, you build community projects together, you work in these local community projects together collectively as an ummah. 
Not that you want individual glory. So that, so salam, that min kulli am, in every matter there should be salam. The net, the natija, the net conclusion, the sum of Laylatul Qadr is that we beg Allah for salam. Not as individuals. Individual, we want our own, obviously, uh, individual najat and salvation. Allah give us all najat and salvation, inshallah. That's not the issue. The issue is that if you're going to live here in this world, then you must live as if you're living in Jannah. Because in Jannah, trust me, you will not be isolated. You understand? Everybody here wants to say, I don't mix with anybody. Right? You ain't going to Jannah if you don't mix with anybody. Take it from me. In Jannah, you'll have to mix with someone, at least the whores. <laughs> at least with them. They say, I'm alone. Only Allah is alone. When Allah placed Adam in Jannah, He said, you're not staying in Jannah alone. No, no, I'm going to give you a wife. Right. The Prophet asked him here, who, who was the most pious ever? The Prophet said, did he say, I want to be alone? Said, no, you're not going to be alone. I'm going to give you seven wives. You can't be alone. Allah is Ahad. Everybody else, they're not Ahad. So this kind of individual superiority that I'm pious and I'm this and I don't care for the community. Well, if you don't care, then Allah won't care and He won't let you be with the community in Jannah. That's the bottom line. So the way we call the people of Jannah, what do we call them? We call them Ashabul Jannah. Ashab means companions. You're together. We don't say Afradul Ahlil Jannah. They're not Afrad, they're not individuals, they're Ashab, they're community. They're companions to each other. You go and visit each other. In Jannah, one of the most amazing spectacles in Jannah, the Prophet said, is that there will be a huge, huge dinner arrangement, a ma'idah, as we call it, Dasar Khan. Right? And on that ma'idah, on that Dasar Khan, the place where everybody sits down and eats, you know what's going to happen? is that you'll be feeding the person in front of you. That's called salam. You'll be feeding some. I'm feeding you. We have civilization value, which is what we do, alhamdulillah. We still have that value. We feed you know, each other, usually. Alhamdulillah, we're still there. But in Jannah, you will not be an individual, isolated, now, what do you call it? Standoffish, prude. You'll be with the community. You'll be in the community. You have to be with the community in order to be Ashabul Jannah. You have to develop that psyche here. It won't come to you after death because it's too late. So you develop here. Be part of the community and be kind and generous and be noble and make dua so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, gives us salam, gives salam to the Muslims of China, gives salam to the Muslims of Kashmir. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give salam to the Muslims of Russia. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give salam to the Muslims of Ukraine. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give salam to the Muslims of all the African countries where they've been persecuted. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give salam to the people of Rohingya. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give salam to every Muslim individual and group in this world so that when we die, we are die with salam. And when, when we are resurrected, we are resurrected with salam. And when we enter Jannah, udkhuluha bi salamin amineen that we go into Jannah with salam and with security. This should be the dua we make in this night. When you make dua for the collective ummah, 
you're already including yourself in that dua because you're part of the collective ummah. So our concern should be that we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in, in this night, Mubarak of Laylatul Qadr, whenever it is, you decide matters with salam for us. That is how you will benefit from Laylatul Qadr, which is the objective, and Allah subhanahu wa mentions it at the end of the surah, salam. With this said, uh, we make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept us, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us Laylatul Qadr this year and every year that we are alive. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us and forgive all our sins. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the best of endings. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us safe in this world, keep us safe in the grave, keep us safe in the mahshar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us safe on the pulsarat, on the bridge. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to enter Jannah with salam and with aman. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be in the company of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and all the anbiya and all the sahaba and all the awliya and all the ulama. Ameen ya rabbal alameen wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khil khil. محمد وآله وأصحابه أجمعين برحمتك يا رحمة الله